consolidated off the album play more music that was accept me for what i am if you ever went to a consolidated gig which i never did it was a band was popular back in the 1990s at the end of their concert they would have open mic sessions where you could get up and you could chat and you could talk to the band and they would answer some questions and some of those get kind of heated and some of those many of those got put into songs on the albums, subsequent albums that Consolidated put out. That's what you hear at the end of that track is you hear some of those comments, some of that banter between the band and the fans and sometimes between the fans and the other fans makes for some really interesting recordings. Greetings and welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for The Resistance a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, you can send me an email at polyrical at gmail.com. You can also go on the website polyrical.com, where there's a button there. You can send me a message. There's also another button there. You can make a recommendation. 
you can recommend a song, an artist, or a topic for a future episode. You can also find me on Twitter at Polyrical. If you check out the website polyrical.com, you can also make a donation to keep this podcast going. It is pretty expensive to get the licensing to be able to share this music with you. And anything you could donate, either one-time or recurring donations, which you can do on polyrical.com, is much appreciated. Here is Buffy St. Marie off the album Medicine Songs. This is The Big Ones Get Away.
And that will bring us to our topic of the episode. The topic of the episode for this episode of Polyrical is Killing Humanity. I kind of kicked around that title for a, a bit. I originally had Humanicide in there um, because I found a few really, really good songs about individuals who were killed in various different circumstances and wanted to tie those together by talking about what killing means and what killing does beyond the the loss of the individual or individuals who are killed beyond that you know stealing of us of their their presence of their actions of their love it steals a lot more from us than that when we kill we do a lot more than end the life of that one person killing another human being also kills humanity and humanity is a tricky word because it humanity the way that we think of it is something positive it's something and maybe this is just my bias but it's something that sets us apart from other animals who also kill but who kill for survival their own or i guess i guess their own or sometimes their their species um but Humanity is supposed to set us apart. Humanity is supposed to um, help us constrain those feelings and those tendencies and those needs to to kill. Um, so, you know, humanity is kind of maybe a lofty ideal that somehow humans are different. And that difference is is better um, but I'm gonna use the term humanity anyway to express that feeling to express the that kind of opinion of uh, uh, maybe the goodness of our species captured in that term humanity so killing another human being doesn't just kill that person that individual it kills our humanity it kills the trust that we have that other people can be decent and honest and trustworthy it kills the love that we feel that moderates and balances against the hate so we we constantly have these emotions and these feelings within us and one thing i always say is you can't control your emotions but you can control your actions. That's something we always need to be aware of and uh, make sure that we understand that we feel what we feel. And killing changes what we feel, changes how we feel, changes how we perceive other individuals. It gives birth in us to feelings of distrust and desire for retribution. If you don't kill that person in my life, that person that I love, then I 
can't have feelings of retribution towards you for that action. So killing gives birth to these feelings of retribution, these feelings of hatred for someone's actions, which often spills into just hatred for some other individual themselves. Dragging a family out of its home and hanging them from a bridge, like this first song is about, it creates or reinforces dominance. It instills fear and subservience. It builds up emotional walls. It develops anger and it kills solidarity. It kills the, the, the natural feelings that we might have towards our neighbors and other human beings in general. It kills that empathy. This is Joel Raphael. Joel Raphael has a couple of new albums out. This is a double album called The Songs of Woody Guthrie, Volume 1 and 2, in which Joel Raphael, much like Billy Bragg and Wilco before him, was given some lyrics, some songs written by Woody Guthrie that never were previously recorded, that Joel put music to. He also included some covers of songs that were previously recorded. He did a cover of Way Over Yonder in the Minor Key, pointing out, I saw him, he performed some of these songs at the Clearwater Festival, and uh, he sang Way Over Yonder in the Minor Key, which Billy Bragg uh, wrote the music for and sang and recorded before him. And he did mention that, interestingly enough, that song is not written in the minor key. Um, but that is a little a digression. So you can pick up Joel Raphael's new album, The Songs of Woody Guthrie, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And one of those tracks you'll hear is this track. This is Don't Kill My Baby and My Son. It was 1910 in Okima, Oklahoma, when Deputy Sheriff George Loney went to a poor farm outside of town to arrest a black man named Nelson for stealing a sheep. Nelson's 13-year-old son thought he saw the deputy go for his gun and he pulled out a rifle and shot Loney in the leg, and the deputy bled to death in the yard. A posse was organized and the entire Nelson family was arrested. They were brought to Okima where the husband was placed in one cell, and the wife, the son, and the nursing infant in another. A mob burst into the jail and dragged Laura Nelson, her son, and her baby to a bridge over the Canadian River where they were lynched. A photo of the lynching was later reprinted and sold as a postcard. The story always haunted Woody, and many years later, he wrote this song down. Saddest lonesome moan I 
tremble at the roots Cold chills run down my spine As I drew near that old jailhouse I heard this deathly cry Don't kill my baby and my son Stretch my neck on that old river bridge, but don't kill my baby and my son. Now I've heard the cries of a panther, now I've heard the coyotes yell, but the long lonesome cry that shook the whole. Ciao. Someone plotting in the general vicinity that night. So they rained down hell and murder on some unsuspecting houses. And Timmy's baby brother also died. And his mother and his father and his granddad in from Texas. And some neighbors and their friends from junior high. 
But their government assured us that though, yes, it was most tragic, they killed a man who threatened all our lives. And he threatened their whole country and everything they stand for. And his death was a great progress in their fight. What a catastrophe. Can you imagine such a world where such a thing could ever be viewed normally? Or justified? Could it really be the people there's lives are worth so much more than mine? How is this civilized? Timmy had another brother who was only slightly older and now found himself an orphan overnight. And his dog was also killed there in a series of explosions. And the truth is, I'm not sure how I survived. But some family back in Egypt sent some money and a ticket and told me I could live with them there if I liked. But the government denied me, said I was old enough for fighting, and they couldn't trust I wasn't radicalized. Now, I've been eight long years in Norfolk, and my city's now a war zone, and I've buried everyone I've loved or known. And I've lost all hope and reason, and I'm filled with rage and poison, and I want revenge and care not if I die. What a catastrophe Can you imagine such a world where such a thing could ever be viewed normally? Or justified Could it really be the people their lives are worth so much more than mine? Do they not recognize? They made me what I am Such a catastrophe can you imagine such a world where such a thing could ever be viewed normally or justified? Could it really be the people there's lives are worth so much more than mine that they not recognize? They made me what I am. Oh, they'll recognize. Dropping bombs on people destroys their flesh and, as important, it kills their potential contributions to the world and kills the observers and witnesses' humanity. All those people that die in our wars, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, all otherwise had some potential for life, some potential to learn, some potential to grow some potential to give back to society. Maybe one of them would have cured cancer. Maybe one of them would have found some scientific breakthrough that would have changed life for us on our planet. Maybe one of them would have been a mass murderer. Unfortunately, the killing generates more murderers than it might eliminate in many cases um, because it, it, it kills our capacity for love and for empathy. 
It kills the feelings within us that bring us together to cooperate, to live peacefully in society and to strive for a better world. The killing plants the seeds of hate and anger and the desire for punishment. It, it keeps spinning that perpetual motion machine. Maybe it should be a perpetual emotion machine. Hating someone enough to kill them helps develop and build and foster more hate from the friends, from the families, from the acquaintances, from the observers, from the witnesses of that death. And that's one of the goals of killing. Killing both stokes and also diminishes outrage. It stokes our outrage when we are close to the victim, but it also alternatively diminishes our outrage when we are distant from the victims, when we can't feel the empathy for the victims of killing. That killing suppresses empathy within us. It destroys our capacity to be outraged by killing when we're distant. And that is the only way that war can succeed. Because if we had empathy for our fellow human beings who are being killed daily, we would be outraged. We would not be able to live our lives as normal, as if nothing was happening, as if that murder wasn't being carried out by our government in our name. So that killing serves many purposes beyond the elimination of individuals. It has profound and deep impacts on us and how we think and how we feel and how we live. Here is Leon Rosselson from The World Turned Upside Down, Rossel Songs, 1960 to 2010. This is the song of Martin Fontash. The story's told of how in 1942 Martin Fontash, poet, carpenter and Jew With a band of partisans threw in his lot Till he was taken by the Germans to be shot He was a peaceful man, quick to laugh and cry At every village celebration he'd be there With his songs that told of sadness and of joy and the guitar he carried with him everywhere But when the Nazis came and killed his wife and son Martin traded his guitar in for a gun This song is for those who are cast out by history The banned and abandoned, the spurned and ignored Whose homes have been taken, whose dreams have been broken Who huddled on hillsides demand to be heard 
the German soldier assigned to kill the Jew as it happened was a music lover too and this bond it seems is what made him decide to offer Martin one last wish before he died soon my soul Martin said will dance on air now all I ask is time to write my farewell song the German soldier checked his watch and said one hour one hour Martin remarked that long and so he wrote and sang full voice to raise the dead and then the German put a bullet in his head and this song is for those who are cast out by history the banned and abandoned the spurned and ignored whose homes have been taken whose dreams have been broken who huddled on hillside's demand to be heard the german kept the song and bragged of what he'd done and showed it proudly when in drink to everyone he couldn't read the words and didn't seem to see that a song cannot take root unless it's free and then one night two parties and set out the song must be released the man must die they slipped into his quarters slit his throat took back the song and gave it wings to fly and so it soared upon the wind and came to rest and found a home among the damned and dispossessed and his song was for those who are cast out by history the banned and abandoned the spurned and ignored whose homes have been taken whose dreams have been broken who huddled on hillside's demand to be heard though we resist oppression still our dream is peace theirs is the mask of hatred ours the human face then let not our sufferings turn our souls to ice so that we do to strangers what was done to us it is not with conquering armies i belong their bloody retribution i disown their songs of triumph i will never sing for the god they worship turns them into stone if any teach their children how to hate and hurt though they are jews they do not live inside my heart and his song is for those who are cast out by history the banned and abandoned the spurned and ignored whose homes have been taken whose dreams have been broken who huddled on hillside's demand to be heard let his song be a spark let it fly through the dark like a bird Her eyes 
did her gaze remind you that you've become what you despise as you rolled on towards this woman and ignored all shouts to stop did you feel a shred of doubt as you watched her body drop as your caterpillar tracks upon her body with 60 tons of deadly force crushed the bones within her chest could you feel the contours of her face as you took her life away did you serve your country well on that cool spring day Album Falestine Habibti. That was David Rovix with the death of Rachel Curry. And as described in that song, Rachel Curry was killed when a bulldozer ran her over as she was trying to prevent the destruction of Palestinian homes in Israel. That will bring us to the middle of the episode with a few words. These are a few words on climate change. Here is Bernie Sanders on climate change. Hi, this is Senator Bernie Sanders. This country and our planet face some enormous problems. And I can assure you that these problems are not going to go away. They're not going to get better if we ignore them or sweep them under the rug. One of the global crises that must be addressed now for the sake of our children and grandchildren is climate change. And let me be very clear. The debate is over. Pope Francis is right in saying that the world is on a suicidal course with regard to climate change. Virtually all scientists who have studied this issue have concluded that climate change is real, it's caused by human activity, and it is already causing devastating problems in our country and around the world. Just a few facts. 2015 is on track to be the hottest year on record, and scientists are already predicting 2016 will be even hotter. In fact, 13 of the 15 hottest years ever recorded have all occurred since the year 2000. In recent years, we have seen shrinking ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica, rising sea levels, threatening coastal communities 
all over the world, oceans that are warming and becoming more acidified, threatening the food supply for millions of people, increased droughts throughout the world in California and the southwest of the United States. Drought has led to wildfires unprecedented in their duration and in their strength. The most powerful hurricane ever recorded, with winds for Hurricane Patricia hitting 200 miles per hour and gusts of up to 247 miles per hour. Heat waves that have killed thousands of people in Europe, Pakistan, and India. Extreme weather disturbances, including stronger hurricanes, torrential rainfalls, and more severe flooding. And here's what's most frightening. Scientists say that if we do not act boldly and within a very short window of opportunity, a very bad situation that exists today will become much worse in years to come. What the scientists are telling us is that if we do not get our act together, our planet Earth, our only planet, could see a global increase in temperature of 5 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of this century. 5 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And what happens then? Well, among many other concerns, the CIA and the Department of Defense tell us that a warming planet will increase international <coughs> instability. Rising sea levels and the flooding of coastal communities, as well as more drought and floods, could well result in the forced migration of tens of millions of people desperately searching for economic security, for clean water, and for land to grow food. People fighting over limited natural resources means more war and means more death. A warmer planet means more disease, malaria, dengue, yellow fever, and other tropical illnesses will spread into parts of the world where they don't currently exist. Air pollution, exacerbated by increasing temperatures, will also increase, causing more disease, especially for children. A warmer planet means the expenditure of hundreds of billions of dollars to replace destroyed infrastructure, roads, bridges, and water systems that will have to be rebuilt. And while we will all suffer the impacts of climate change, the sad truth is that climate change falls especially hard upon the most vulnerable people in our country and throughout the world, people who have the fewest resources to protect themselves. And now let me say a word about politics and campaign finance and how all of that relates to the climate change crisis. Now, given the fact that virtually the entire scientific community has described the devastation that is occurring and will intensify as a result of climate change, how does it happen that we have a major political party, the Republican Party, which, with few exceptions, refuses to even recognize the reality of climate change, let alone take action to do anything about it? Why is that? How does that happen? Why does the political party which controls the U.S. House, which controls the U.S. Senate, and which wants to occupy the White House, refuse to even acknowledge the reality of climate change? The answer is pretty simple. Since 2009, 
the oil companies, the coal companies, the electric utilities have spent a staggering $2.2 billion in federal lobbying and another $330 million in federal campaign contributions. In other words, as a result of ineffective lobbying legislation and the disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, large corporations can now spend as much as they want on campaigns and elections. And that is exactly what the fossil fuel industry is doing. Here is the simple truth. Any Republican candidate for president, for the U.S. Senate or for the U.S. House, who has the courage to acknowledge the reality of climate change and who wants to do something about it, that candidate will lose the financial support, the campaign contributions coming from the Koch brothers and other powerful special interests in the fossil fuel industry. Further, there is a strong likelihood that that candidate would be challenged by a primary opponent when he or she came up for election, a candidate supported by the industry. In other words, when we talk about a corrupt campaign finance system, there is no clearer example of that corruption than how the Republican Party is more interested in representing the interests and profits of the fossil fuel industry than the well-being of the entire planet. And in that regard, I say to my Republican colleagues, history will cast a very harsh judgment on you. I know it is not easy, but I ask you to worry less about your campaign contributions and worry more about the planet that you're going to leave to your children and your grandchildren. Okay, we are facing a crisis of huge magnitude. What do we do about it? First, the United States must lead the international community in transitioning away from fossil fuels toward energy efficiency and sustainable energy. The United States alone cannot solve the crisis of climate change. We need to be aggressive in working with China, Russia, India, and countries throughout the world to make that happen. And by the way, the people of China should not need a lot of urging on this subject, given the fact that their hospitals are being flooded with people made sick by the incredible level of air pollution Beijing is now experiencing. Secondly, in terms of specific proposals, what should we be doing? First, we can save an enormous amount of energy by moving aggressively toward energy efficiency. 40% of the energy used in this country is used to heat or cool buildings and there is enormous waste in that process. Making our homes, office buildings, schools, and factories more energy efficient will save consumers large amounts of money on their fuel bills, cut carbon emissions dramatically, and create millions of good-paying jobs. When we talk about energy efficiency, we must also focus on transportation. 26% of the energy used in this country is for transportation. Clearly, while we have made some progress in this area, we must make our cars and trucks much more fuel efficient. When the Ford Model T first came onto the market in 1908, 1908, it got 13 to 21 miles per gallon. That was almost 100 years ago. But in 2015, there are still cars on the road that get the same gas mileage as one of the very first mass-produced cars. That's pretty crazy. We must move aggressively 
toward the electrification of our cars and trucks. Electric vehicles can go up to four times as far as a gasoline-powered car on the same amount of energy. Our job is to make those hybrid cars and electric vehicles much more affordable and build the infrastructure that will sustain them. Transportation efficiency also means major improvements in our passenger and cargo rail systems. Today, our rail system lags behind Japan, Europe, and even China in terms of high-speed passenger and cargo rail. A modern rail system would mean that huge amounts of cargo would move across this country in a much more efficient way than simply relying on trucks. A modern, efficient passenger rail system would mean that we can take a significant amount of car traffic off of our roads. All of this will result in a stronger economy and a very significant reduction in carbon emissions. While making our country and planet more energy efficient is clearly an important part of what we've got to do, we must also aggressively transition away from fossil fuels towards sustainable energy like solar, wind, and geothermal. In terms of solar, the very good news is that the cost of solar panels is plummeting, and everything being equal, they will continue to plummet. Our goal must be to help families and businesses all over this country with the upfront costs that are required to move toward rooftop solar. Further, we need to invest in utility-scale solar plants as well. A very good piece of news is that we have recently seen major breakthroughs in energy storage technologies. These breakthroughs will enable us to utilize energy from batteries when the sun is not shining and the wind is not blowing. We must also tap the great wind resources we have. In Texas, wind power is now one of the least expensive sources of electricity generation in this country. Last year, Iowa produced about 29% of its electricity from wind energy, and it expects to reach 40% by 2020. There is enormous potential for wind energy in this country, which must be utilized. Geothermal power is another source of energy with great potential. Building a new geothermal plant is approximately one-third cheaper than a new modern natural gas planet. And these are just some of the new technologies that are out there. Research and development will create even more. Now, many of the ideas that I've discussed have been included in new legislation that I have recently introduced. Not only does this legislation pave the way for the transformation of our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy, it also provides a major disincentive for the production of more fossil fuel as we impose a tax on carbon for fossil fuel producers and importers, as well as doing away with long-term subsidies that have gone to the fossil fuel industry. The bottom line is that the fossil fuel industry cannot continue to destroy our planet with impunity. Let me conclude uh, by saying this. Climate change is one of the great challenges facing our planet. But if we are smart, if we are prepared to be politically active, if we are prepared to stand up to powerful special interests, we can prevail. And for the sake of our children and grandchildren, we must prevail. Climate change is one of the great struggles of our time. 
We must not lose. Thank you. And that'll bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Vortis. Vortis is an indie punk band established in 2000, whose members initially included Michael A. Weinstein, the band's frontman and a professor of political science at Purdue University, as well as well-known music critic Jim DeRogatis, who remains the band's drummer. The band was named after the Vorticist movement of the early 20th century, a group of artists and writers whose basic tenet was the, quote, perpetuate violent structures of adolescent clarity throughout life. As Derogatis put it, quote, to live with the lust for life of a teenager, no matter what age you are, a great definition of rock and roll a half a century before it happened. The group, which also included Tony Tavano, also known as Jihad, and bassist, bassist Chris Marciano, also known as Johnny Los, um, initially released two albums. So there were two albums released with Weinstein, pairing its music to his lyrics. Those albums were Take the System Down and God Won't Bless America, both on the independent Thick Records. Several other independent recordings followed with Weinstein before he left the group in 2009. Weinstein died at age 73 in 2015, but the group continues now as a trio. Yeah, he died at 73 at the age of 2015. So when he was recording this, the frontman for the band Vortis in their first couple of uh, major albums, um, was about 59 or 60 years old when they got started. So here kicking us off it from Take the System Down, we're going to hear the first two tracks we're going to hear are both from Take the System Down. This is Vortis with Black Helicopters. Helicopter went down, coming down. New world order gonna claim this crown. Wicked in the wood pile, kite to boot. Fuck the little child, revenue to the bad. I'm sad. Wouldn't you believe that all so bad? The end is coming, the record is there. Didn't wait, go. Do it right here, take a right, take a flight. Don't come and sit here, that's where the whole world is. Shit, you're gonna do the war going on. If you didn't know, that's all here and we're gonna blow. Hail, hail to the oven, Jew. I'm the son of Satan. How do you do? Son of Satan would never have been a bad before anti Semitism. Get on the case, alien nation, get on the case, black nation, 
Today in Seattle, demonstrators succeeded in disrupting the World Trade Organization meeting. Police used tear gas and pepper spray against protesters. Some of them had chained themselves together and were blocking the streets. They even forced organizers to cancel the opening ceremonies. In the battle of Seattle, where the cattle and the chattel, my, my. Generation Y, I hear the death rattle. I hear the death rattle. We face a massive confrontation with the tech corporation. Body snatchers going at just why and I tired by a death decoration. If we go for an internship, then we can probably say, I have got my resume. No world order across the border. So where you can for us. No world order across the border. So where you can
that track was Generation Y, once again off the album Take the System Down. Here's a little bit more of the history of Vortis. Weinstein joined Vortis in 2000 when his wife introduced him to several musicians several decades his juniors from Chicago. Weinstein also went by the stage name Fellow Traveler when performing with Vortis, though the band and many fans affectionately referred to him as the professor. The group continued for some time as a quartet after Weinstein left the band, with Louis Calvano joining and alternating on guitars and bass with Mar Martignano. Several more indie recordings followed. Then Martignano left as well to pursue his scholarly studies of William Blake, and the band has been a trio ever since, with Tavano, Derogatis, and Calvano gigging frequently in and around Chicago. Most of the songs are now written as a group, maintaining the political and sociological edge inspired by Weinstein, but with a short, sharp aesthetic that owes a debt to Wire and Chicago punk avatars such as Naked Raygun, as well as Husker Du. The band's latest album was released by the vinyl-only Cavatone Records label in spring 2019 and is called This Machine Kills Fascists. And we're going to hear three tracks off This Machine Kills Fascists, a little bit different from usual. Usually I play uh, four tracks total by a band, by the artist of the episode, but these tracks are on the shorter side. One of these tracks only clocks in at 51 seconds, so I had plenty of room to drop in three. We're going to hear Words Don't Matter from This Machine Kills Fascists, but first, here is the track, Oppression. Our liberty. Every time we breathe, there's someone waiting there to seize. Every time we break, they put us right back on our knees. Every time we wake, another message to appease. Go!
wrap up the set of Vortis tracks. That was Free the Detainees. Before that, we heard Words Don't Matter, both off the album, This Machine Kills Fascists. Here is Malvina Reynolds off the album, Malvina Reynolds. This is The Rand Hymn. The Rand Corporation's the boon of the world They think all day long for a fee They sit and play games about going up in flames For counters they use you and me, honeybee For counters they use you and me It's so nice to know we have Rand on our side We'll always have good old Rand around A zillion will be fried out But in some neat hideout Rand will be safe underground Praise the Lord Rand will be safe underground With the stroke of a pen They can change us from men To numbers that flash on the wall these brainy heroes transform us to zeros So who gives a damn if we fall after all? Who gives a damn if we fall? Their superior genes will be safe behind screens With the rest of our line doomed to die They'll be all sorted out Past a shadow of doubt by the all-wise electronic eye Bow down to the mighty electronic eye They will rescue us all from a fate worse than death With a touch of the push-button hand We'll be saved at one blow from the designated foe but who's going to save us from reindeer Lord? Who's going to save us from reindeer? And that will just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, I want to hear from you. So if you want to send me an email, you can send that to polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical. And you can check out the website, polyrical.com, where you'll find all of the back episodes. And you'll find links to make a donation. You can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation to keep this podcast going. Here is the Street Sweeper Social Club from the Ghetto Blaster EP. This is everything. Thanks for listening. It's time to work. Everybody throw your lights up. Tell me y'all finna fight a war. Everybody get your shit started. This is y'all motherfucking party. Everybody throw your lights up. Tell me y'all finna fight a war. Everybody get your shit started. This is y'all motherfucking party. Every death is an abrupt one. 
Every cop is a corrupt one. If you ain't got no cash up in the trust fund, every cat with a gat wanna bust one. Every guest wanna plus one. Every tenement's a penitent. To every tribe, man, it's innocent. Time served should be the sit and spin. Everybody wanna hit a lick. Every one of y'all is getting pimped. Every time I spin, I'm finna rib. Every cancer's a homicide. Every boss better run and hide. Every human is some kind of black. Every visa got a pin to crack. Every verse is from the cardiac. Every search is involuntary. Every inmate won't commissary. Every bank knows promissory. Every broke motherfucker finna form a gang. And when we come, we taking everything. Yeah. Hey. 